This evening's reading is taken from Exodus chapter 14. It can be found on page 71 of the Church Bibles. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near pi Haharoth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the 
pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Marta, thank you very much, and good evening, everybody. And um, I must say, it's a great honour and privilege to be asked to speak on this particular uh, chapter. It's one of the most significant chapters in the Old Testament. The Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea is to the Old Testament what the resurrection is to the New. It's a shadow of that. You know, when the prophets and the writers of the Old Testament wanted to refer to God's miraculous hand, they returned often to the crossing event. Just as a a writer in the New Testament who wanted to illustrate the power of God most often referred to the resurrection. And whilst the scenes are altogether different, of course, they were astonishing miracles of redemption by the hand of God. Part of God's redemptive plans and purposes for mankind. I'm going to take you through the chapter as a whole, uh, rather than a verse-by-verse exposition, because of narrative, uh, that's the best way to look at it. But first of all, let me lead you in prayer. Thank you, God, for your work of redemption, revealed through both the Old and New Testaments, and the offer you make to us of being a part of that glorious work. As we look into this great chapter of Scripture, help us to see more clearly, help us to understand more deeply, and help us to find our way of responding to the saving God revealed here through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Egypt was facing an energy crisis. The energy... Uh, to move and produce goods for them, was no longer available. Egypt was facing an economic crisis as a shortage of goods was about to have its effect on GDP. Inflation was uh, probably about to hit the roof in Egypt due to the shortage of labour. 
and Egypt was about to face civil disobedience as the people were at odds with the leaders over their giving in to Moses' demands and Israel's subsequent wishes to leave their country. However, devastatingly painful that had been for the Egyptian people. The political leadership of Egypt um, no longer seemed fit for purpose. And all this as a result of the exodus, which led to the events described here in chapter 14 of the book of Exodus. Pharaoh and his officials felt that they ought at that time to respond. In fact, times were hard. Mind you, things seemed very hard for uh, in many, many different areas. For example, Moses. Things were hard. In fact, things had been hard for Moses for a good part of his life. God had called him to lead the Israelites out of slavery and into the promised land. And at times, his own brokenness, his fear and his weakness overwhelmed him. It took the power of God to change all that. But make no mistake, Moses still had some hard times to come, not least of which uh, leading a disparate people into the promised land. Chapter 11 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Well, he did, as we know. He drove them as far as Etham initially, from where they could have made it to the promised land uh, within quite a short time. But God, of course, had other plans. And uh, the way he defined was hard. The territory that they were to go through was hard. They were to go uh, by, between Migdol and the sea. Listen, help me out here. Uh, I haven't brought a map with me, but I can see you each have brought your own maps. So, do this with me. Okay? Uh, just humour me. Humour me. Do, do this. Okay? Um, so, they were to uh, camp between Migdol and uh, the sea. So, Migdol's up here. Egypt is sort of behind there. They'd come to Etham. But they were told then to go back. So, the sea was there and they were somewhere up there and they passed through that wilderness in between it's like a cul-de-sac isn't it uh, the only way out was via the sea or going uh, backwards up the top and facing what was there for them Pai Ahiroth in the entrance to the canals uh, was somewhere down by uh, the sea and trouble with that is they were to part themselves opposite Baal Zephon. If you're listening to this on playback uh, after the event and you wonder what's going on, I'm actually stood up front and I wonder what's going on. So um, don't worry about that. It's, it's quite a visual uh, message. But um, Baal Zephon, Pai Hahiroth there, and they were actually facing each other. You can put your hands down now. And um, the Israelites were to go there. Um, dangerous place a dangerous place to be actually uh, directly opposite Baal 
Ahibal Zephon. It means idol of the north. And Baal was uh, the great god of all the gods of Egypt, and they had many, but Baal was, was the one in particular that um, people looked to, sacrificed to, and followed. And he had several names. Um, it was a, a large mountainous area uh, that he was said to oversee. So he's a god of the mountains. He was a god of the storm. And he had uh, other things now. He was variously known as the god of fertility, owner, or lord, prince of the earth. In Egyptian terms, he who rides on the clouds. Just hold on to uh, that thought also known to some communities as the god of the gods. In Phoenician, he was lord of the heavens. For the Israelites, that was a really hard place to be, facing Baal Zephon. They'd come by the way of Migdal, and Migdal uh, was uh, actually, it was a high ground. And there were watchtowers there. So the message uh, that they were passing through uh, would have easily got back to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They could see who was coming in to Egypt, who was going out, and some of what was happening in between in that uh, cul-de-sac. So they were on dangerous ground. The territory itself was a hard place to be, but the alternative was no better. They could go back to Pharaoh. He was a hard man, as we know. He was a hard man generally. He'd been hard to his own people. In fact, the Israelites, uh, to the Egyptians. He'd been hard to the Israelites as well. Actually, Pharaoh uh, was seen to his people as a god. He was uh, known as the mediator between the people and the gods. Well, let's... Be certain of this. We know that the Bible shows, uh, it says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. There is no mediator. Pharaoh was a fake. But Pharaohs, and there were many over the years, were ruthless. This one in particular was known as the God of war. And it says that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He was a hard man. The Israelites were hard people as well. I mean, they spent a long time there under Pharaoh's rule before coming out. But unhappy is actually an understatement. They were terrified at Pharaoh's advance. They cried out to God. They mourned at Moses, even though... In chapter 13 and verse 18, it says, the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And at one point, as we saw in chapter 14, it says, they were marching out boldly. But how different is that from verse 10 of chapter 14? They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And uh, verse 11 they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians to die in the desert. They were a hard people in a hard territory. And here's a bit of a lesson. 
freed from Egypt now, uh, they'd have been happier to go back into bondage than to go forward with the Lord. I wonder how easy it is for us when under pressure in our own uh, cul-de-sacs, whatever they may be, to look back, to look back on the past, to look back on our, our lives before coming to know the Lord. And, you know, the grass is greener. Seems sometimes easier than uh, going back, than taking the route that God had planned uh, for people, for us, as he planned for the Israelites. If only they could sing this song. Listen to this. Hands. He did not bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us into the promised land. Join me. He did not bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us in to the promised land. Goes further than that. Do you know that one? Well, uh, they should have known it and they should have sung it. They should have known how to sing that. To be honest, um, I should know how to sing as well, but that's something very different. Moses was a hardened leader and he was soon to become more so. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord, uh, the Lord that will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Oh, what a great faith Moses had. What a truth. Because none of us can do anything for ourselves to bring about deliverance. Not one of us. We can't work our way to do it. We need to trust in God. We need to stand still and see the deliverance of our God. Things were hard in those times. In fact, some things uh, seemed impossible. And that's what Pharaoh himself was relying upon, that it was impossible for these people to actually escape from that wilderness, from that area, from that place um, in Pi-Hahiroth, opposite the place where Baal was said to live. And of themselves, true, there was no way out of there. They were stuck. They just couldn't help themselves. Um, it was game up, basically, for them. Only certain death faced them in their own eyes. The only way was to trust in God and to get involved in his plan. And that meant for them that they needed to turn. They needed to turn from that looking back to where they were and turn and follow God's way and God's plan. And if they did that, then what God had promised, that he would bring glory to himself through uh, this event and through what was happening, they would actually see. God said to Moses in verse 17 and 18, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And while all seemed impossible, as it did at that time, 
This God of light set his pillar of cloud between Egypt and Israel. Darkness for, for Egypt, light to lead Israel onwards. I've talked about Baal being seen as the one who rides on the clouds. Our God is the one who rides on the cloud as he brought that cloud uh, between Egypt and the Israelites. You know what? My God can do the impossible. We know that Jesus made that point in Matthew 19 and verse 26 in answer to the disciples' question, who then can be saved? Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The title of this sermon series is The God of Freedom and Renewal, the miraculous rescuer of a helpless people. So Moses and the people came to the crossing. And as they got towards the sea, the Red Sea, um, there seemed no way across this swathe of water. No boats, no rafts, no canoes, perhaps no very strong swimmers either. There was no way for them to roll back the sea. It seemed impossible. A bit like this, really. There's me on holiday uh, on a beach making my own attempt to roll back the sea. Forgive the thing sticking up there. It was the start of the wind. And there, as that didn't work, I thought I'd try this one. And you know what? That didn't work either. Because I was doing something in my own strength, in my own way, not under the direction, the leadership, the power of God. It wasn't for me. But it was to be for Israel. You know, Moses couldn't part the Red Sea. Moses, the leader of Israel, he couldn't part the Red Sea. Only God could do that. Only the power of God could bring that parting. And the people crossed the water as Moses obeyed God's instructions and the deed indeed was done. God got the glory from that event. The Egyptians floundered, they drowned, and indeed, the glory went to God. Speaking of the power of God, the prophet Joel puts it well. He says in Joel chapter 2, Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am your God, and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. That's great. That's a great work of God, in which that pursuing army drowned. Israel were not put to shame as God had said they wouldn't be the Israelites were saved the Egyptians declared the Lord is fighting for them just as God had said in chapter, uh, verse 18 of chapter 14 the Israelites will know that I am the Lord and there they were recognising that the Lord was fighting for them well God's done a miraculous work for his chosen people, his elect, the people of the covenant. And this is a picture of the covenant keeping God. God keeping his covenant promises. So, what's been done here? 
Well, first of all, deliverance. The deliverance of God's people. You know, there they were in that place in which there was no way out. But following God, he brought them out. Admittedly, it wasn't that way back. It was uh, through the Red Sea. You know, the sea represented there. And I've got a blue shirt on that represents the sea. And if you look, there's more uh, width in parts of the sea than others. But he brought them out uh, in an act of deliverance. For them to get there, because they did want to go back, they had to have a change of heart. They had to be prepared to allow God to speak to them, God to touch them, not rely upon themselves, but have a change of heart and let God do it. They also needed, of course, a change of direction. They were wanting to go that way and God was calling them to go that way. And in order to achieve that deliverance, they needed to make that decision to have a change of direction. And rather than be people who trusted in themselves, and rather than be people who lived in fear and who could only see certain death, they needed to become followers of God. They followed Moses um, into that situation. And look what God had secured for them. We know that's happened for the people of Israel. Interestingly, Don Carson, who writes for the Gospel Coalition, uh, talked about how people in the Old Testament were saved. You know, he said it's this. By God's grace, through faith, that is trusting in God's promises, having obedience. So we can see how that eventually worked out uh, for the Israelites. But what about us? What has God secured for us? The Red Sea crossing in the Bible is, is like a code word for salvation. It's a shadow of what's to come. And God brought about salvation for you and for I. How? By God's grace. Through faith. Through trusting in God's promises, leading to obedience. Israel finally got there. We can too. We do this through Christ's death on the cross and our faith in his saving work. As that brings to us new life. Great scripture in the New Testament 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. New life is what we can have. And indeed, what we do have through the work of Jesus Christ. It gives us too a new hope. The hope of Christians is brought into being through the presence of the promised Holy Spirit. It's Christ-centred. It's God-focused. It brings peace in the face of suffering. It brings endurance. Realising that the promises of God are yes and amen. A guy called Joachim Neander. He was the first German hymn writer after the Reformation. 
and he wrote a hymn which translates into English, and you might know this one. <clears throat> it says, I'm not going to sing this, this one to you. It says, all my hope on God is founded. He does still my trust renew. Me through chains and chance he guideth. Only God and only true. God unknown, he alone calls my heart to be his own. Still from earth to God eternal, sacrifice of praise be done. High above all praises, praising for the gift of Christ, his son. Christ doth call one and all. You who follow shall not fall. He gives us new hope and he gives us a future. We know from uh, the book of Revelation that a future lies ahead from us, um, for us and uh, speaking to Jesus and of Jesus, these words from Revelation chapter 5, and with your blood you purchase people from every tribe and language, a people and nation, and they will reign on the earth. So what new earth, new heavens, an eternity with him. A better verse about the future. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I wonder where I got that from. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. This, if you're not aware of it, is the verse that we've adopted uh, as a church for this year. So hopefully... Uh, you know it. And he's given us all those things. He's secured for us all those things. But that does mean that for you and I, there is a call upon our lives. Having met him, having got that new life, having known him, having been promised hope, having known that there is a future out there, there is also a call on our lives. And that call is several things. To seek God first. To put him first in all things in our lives. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. In all our thoughts. In all our decisions in all our lifestyles, in all the things that we seek to be involved in, we need to put God first. Put God first in all things. Paul talks about us living a worthy life. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love live a worthy life live a salt and light in this world we know that salt brings savour we also know that salt preserves and we as Christians are called upon to be an influence for good in society pursuing his purposes living by his kingdom values, being agents for change, bringing savour to the prevailing culture, revealing 
his unconditional love, the unconditional love of Christ, which alone can preserve God's great plan for humankind and humanity itself. We're called to be light. We know that in darkness, a small candle or even a pinprick of light actually stands out. For us, our light needs to stand out. We ought to show enthusiasm for our Christian faith. Living as Christ lived. Modelling the Christian lifestyle. Modelling the spiritual disciplines. And those things speak volumes against the backdrop of the current spiritual darkness. We are called, each one of us, not to put our light under a bushel. And we are called to be his witnesses. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's from Mark. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, Jesus sent the disciples out by the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, really, starting on your own doorstep, amongst your friends, amongst your family, your colleagues, workmates, neighbours, wherever we go. And as we do that, and we begin to see God work, you can be assured of this, that God is a rescuer of a helpless people, for he is the God of freedom and renewal. So what about you? Where do you stand in all this? Have you known the salvation of God? Have you given your life to him? Have you come to him and looked at your life and said, Lord God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I've lived at a distance from you. Forgive me, Lord. I want now to live for you. I want to live in that obedience. I want my life to reflect those things, being salt and light, being there as a saver to society. Forgive me that I haven't been like that and haven't done that. I now want to come to you and I pray that you'll come to me. If you've never prayed a prayer like that and if you do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and your saviour, well, know this, you can do so tonight. If you're listening um, on catch-up, you too can know that tonight. Handing your life over to God and trusting him with that life, that he will lead you in a place safe to be. He will bring you through that crossing. If you've never been there, then you should. And if you are there, if you know Christ as Lord, then as a Christian, you ought to be living that life of service. You ought to be living for him, putting God first, having that worthy life, salt and light in the world, and being his witness that God might be that rescuer of a helpless people through you. For he is indeed the God of freedom and renewal. Let's pray.
Help me pursue you, Lord, with all my heart, surrendering every area of my life, sacrificing anything, risking anything to love, to worship, to serve you. Help me to behold your glory, to see that you are worthy, and to let go of every worldly thing that I grip too tightly. And as I follow you, help me to trust you fully with everything, because no detail in the world is outside of your command, and nothing at all can stop your plans. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you.